0: I don't get it. Hello.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: Uh, Welcome to I Don't Get It, the podcast about contemporary dance in Edmonton.
1: I'm Fonda.
0: And I am Paul.
1: And before we get into uh, what we saw, the actual performance that we saw, we're going to set up um, why it was actually here in Edmonton.
0: Yeah, because this one wasn't on our radar um, until very, very recently. Uh, It was a show called Native Girl Syndrome, um, but it was here because the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was in town, uh, which is uh, something that's been going uh, through Canada to city to city to collect the stories of uh, survivors of the residential school system um so obviously uh, a lot of charged emotions a lot of uh dark history um is associated with that in, in canada's past something that's not often uh talked about or fully understood um or even taught in schools uh to be honest um but you can find out a lot about that online if you just look that up but that was in town as its final stop in uh before um it sort of compiles these stories was edmonton and uh, as it was here, um, the company uh, Alberta Aboriginal Arts put on something called the Legacy of Living Together, which was a, a multidisciplinary, um, I guess, response or maybe um, com- uh, like addendum or or add-on to to the commission, uh, which was sort of a variety of different artistic works exploring similar themes. There were play readings, there were uh, there was uh, visual arts, um, and there was uh, Native Girl Syndrome.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is a piece um, brought in uh, by um, Ar- Alberta Aboriginal Arts. The piece is choreographed by Laura Kramer. Um, she's a Montreal based um, native artist uh, who. Um, actually has quite um, quite a history in dance since about 2009. She's been producing pretty, um, pretty acclaimed works actually. She's really well known for this one called Fragments. Um, we've also seen her in Edmonton once or twice before at the Rubaboo Festival. Also by
0: uh, Alberta Aboriginal Arts.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, she's kind of not a stranger to us and she brought us this piece called Native Girl Syndrome which is a duet essentially um, with two dancers, Angie Chang and Karina Areola.
0: Yeah, um, where to begin about Native Girl Syndrome, wow. uh, which was excellent, um, but very uh, uh, challenging and, and difficult, I guess. Very um, challenging
1: get, and difficult, and emotional. Yeah, um, really that feeling really charged and kind of upset. Yeah, it mm. wasn't
0: like I wouldn't say it was confrontational. Wouldn't maybe be the right word, um, but it was sort of like. It forced you to uh, examine something you we often don't, uh, which is which is the plight of, of uh, Aboriginal women, um, and particularly those who are down and out and stuck in these cycles of, of um, destitution mm-hmm. um, and, and addiction. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, violence and these sorts of things. And it did that through maybe eight or so very um, um, uh, through eight or so. Uh, Characters almost eight or so sort of figures we or maybe the same figures at different points in their
1: lives Yeah, there were sort of um, vignettes basically marked by the music yeah. and marked by the sound that they were using um, Essentially it started out with um, the the two women backs to the audience for what seemed like actually an excruciating amount of time um, They're
0: both pushing uh, baby carriages, but um, there's a plastic bag of cans that have been picked up. There's sort of uh, all this detritus sort of attached to them. Um, they these are obviously people who are down on their luck, right? From the very first sort of moment you yeah, see them. Yeah,
1: it's pretty obvious that they're that they're living on the street and that they are actually high. Uh, and just the the amount of sort of not only just the movement and how actually um, specific the movement was and and slow Il- and, 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 and paced. And, yeah, yeah, but really illustrative of how actually kind of slow moving some of that is. And and how you are kind of, it is it sort of calls to attention um, that how the cycle is not going anywhere for them. They are standing in the same spot. Right. And, and in that way, the first 10 minutes was kind of the most challenging part. It got you really to kind of slammed you right into the world and made you focus on it. Right.
0: Which is sort of the, I guess, uh, one of the things I I appreciated most about this is it took something, um, an aspect of life that we most often look away from very quickly. If you Mm -hmm. were to pass these people on the street, you might sort of feel a, a pang of sympathy, but then you would go on with your day. Um, and by sort of placing you there in the audience and making you watch this for a, a very long period of time without it changing started to to force you to think about this in ways that you don't, even if you confront it in the everyday, mm-hmm. uh, because you just pass it by and, and then it's gone. But here you're stuck looking at it.
1: Yeah, um, it's, it was asking you to bear witness, essentially, and it, it became mm. it was it was uncomfortable, but in a very deliberate way. And uh, and in that way, it was so effective.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So so as the piece sort of progresses, um, each of the each of the women kind of starts building on a character a little bit. Um, they they're sort of shedding layers of clothes um, and things like that. And one of the things that struck me was that as the piece moved forward, you could see more and more of their bodies. They are essentially in underwear um, by the second. Th- Two thirds of the way through, right. um, in very, very vulnerable um, positions. Uh, there's right. on
0: a stage covered in trash. At that point, the sort of contents of these baby strollers have been scattered by these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of, in moments of, of sort of increased emotion and 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 uh, anguish. Um, so it's all sort of there, and we're seeing them as these very. Um, bare and vulnerable and damaged figures just on this stage.
1: Yeah, and in terms of um, some of the movement, uh, I have to say Angie Chang had this one moment um, she's standing very far downstage and she was sort of like looking out to the audience, calling out, maybe maybe sort of kind of miming what, what it would look like to sort of call to a John when when someone is very kind of tripped out of it. Right. Um, but And she kept sort of like falling down, but she wouldn't actually follow the way. Like her knee would never hit the ground she had this actual sort of flow to the way she was kind of falling up and down and it it was it was almost like kind of like watching a circular fall she was it was a really interesting movement Um, and both of the performers actually were very talented in that looking out of control but actually being total being completely in, uh, intentional in their movement. Yeah, absolutely,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. The, the, that intention was, um, was uh, yeah, so controlled, and that's what what gave it that power. I guess is it felt real. Mm-hmm. Um, in even for all that control, I mean, to an extent, this. This was contemporary dance in maybe the truest sense of the first word in that ter- uh, phrase mm-hmm. in the sense of it's looking at a very contemporary issue. It's exploring it through movement, maybe not um, not even very abstract movement, very clear and, and costumed and uh, movement with a message uh, that's very mm-hmm. clear and a very uh, a message that's often overlooked again or something we don't uh, we don't focus on. Um, or happy to sort of file away in our minds as something that we know is there, but sort of leave there.
1: Mm -hmm. And even to contrast it with the Matt's ex-Sleeping Beauty that we saw, which was also about um, drug abuse and addiction um, to an extent. uh, This piece, I have to say, I I appreciated so much the risk that was taken um, and that... You don't have to always be a dance piece. A dance piece doesn't always have to be pretty or... Or um, or
0: theatrical in the sense of telling a theatrical narrative arc or Mm -hmm. story.
1: Yeah, it can actually just sort of like project um, an idea and an emotion. And they did this very well. But it was all from a place of like super vulnerability and, and real sort of destitution. Like there was a lot of pain uh, in the piece. And I remember even sitting, watching the piece is about an hour long. And there were moments where I started feeling so upset and, and hopeless about it that I just kind of said, had to pull myself out of the emotion of it and just focus on how the movement looked. Um, and I I was able to do that, um, for myself. I'm not sure how maybe you felt. Uh, (laughs) Nope.
0: I had, I, I sat there and and felt it. Um, definitely. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and as it progressed, sort of, so we saw these these two characters, some of the most powerful moments were these sort of just uh, breakdowns, I guess, of, of mm-hmm. both characters. Very of vocal of them. breakdowns, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of them, um, uh, one of them uh, Angie Chang's one was sort of a strung out, like, fuck you, sort of angry uh, calling out to someone that sort of spiraled into just sort of anger and then anguish and just sort of had her, like, flailing in in this garbage around her in this thing she was trapped in um mm-hmm. and then uh the other dancer, uh Karina
1: Iraola.
0: I- 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 Iraola.
1: We're gonna go with that. Yeah. Sorry, Karina. I <laughs> hope, hope that's correct. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, she had this uh moment right near the end where she was actually maybe one of the seemed like one of the more uh well off characters, this woman mm-hmm. who'd gone out dancing It was actually off the stage.
1: Yeah, she looked like she was a little more put together, she had a nice dress on. Right, mm-hmm. like at a
0: dance or a cl- or a club or something mm-hmm. like that. And she sort of ran into this uh this old friend and had a mime conversation that obviously didn't go well that this friend was mm-hmm. very cold um, and just her her eventual response to that sort of this anguished, uh uh, her sort of falling apart, this getting caught up on one thing. Her friends. Yeah, said she
1: kind of spirals back into this mess that's on the stage, and you can just see how how easy or how yeah, unfortunately easy it is to kind of with all the work sometimes that gets done with addiction, and that if you come out of it, it's so easy to have a setback and mm. get back to the um, to to that the mess and that awful um, the awful way that you were trying to get out of. The other thing that I I really. Um, thought that the piece did well was the the visibility of of the girls in the public eye and um, so of course metaphorically when they're pretty much like naked on stage, and uh, and being really vulnerable and and drunk or drugged up and mm-hmm. acting that way um, and and showing really really vulnerable emotion um, that was that was great but there was this moment uh, or a segment of the dance where Karina brought out a, a large clear plastic right. sheet um, and she sort of made her she kind of like made herself a little tent with the with her stroller under this sheet but the thing is that you could still see everything that she was doing just hammering it home again this fact that you can see this all the time you can see these people everywhere and I mean like we walked out of the library where the where the performance was and and that's happening in Churchill Square right
0: of course Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and yeah uh, that that sheet as well got used in in one of the sort of most quietly chilling parts of the show I would say which Mm -hmm. is when um Karina sort of, uh, after this sort of cycle of this character taking off her clothes, um, put it over her and sort of breathed it in so it would catch her mouth. Oh, and um, just
1: that the sort of like plasticized scream. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah,
0: which sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, was evocative of, of missing women and sort of these women um, just in, in you know, cast off. And, and in this quiet moment, um, the only sound effect was sort of highway sounds of a car going by or mm-hmm. trucks going by, which sort of, again, uh, gave this incredibly powerful feeling of just someone left on the side of the ditch, probably dead, you know, who's, who's lost their voice, you know, because of, of what's happened. It was, it was the whole, the whole thing was incredibly powerful. It's mm-hmm. incredible that this was, um, I wish this had had a wider, um, reach. It was yeah, a pretty, it was yeah. a pretty good house. It was at Stanley, uh, a Milner library in the theater downstairs. Uh, and the house was good. Um, I just wish maybe it had had two or three shows. And I then-
1: wanted to. I, I wanted to tell people and talk about it. I talked about it for hours after I saw this show. And I yes. Um, so. Laura Kramer should come back this native girl syndrome we should find a way to have it presented if Alberta Aboriginal Arts is listening find a way to bring it back because it's important to see not only art like this that shows um, y- the. it makes the you bear nat- witness yeah, yeah yeah the the native experience was so important to see in this and and to really actually to to be affected by it um, but also I think it's important to have dance out there like this that is not um, that that you know, has vulnerable vulnerability in it, and has kind of ugly movement in it. It's, for me, it's interesting and it's challenging, and I again I just appreciate the risk that was taken um, by the choreographer and these performers. It was it was so fantastic to see.
0: Right. If you ever get the chance, people,
1: Yeah. Native girl syndrome is yeah. is
0: one to watch for.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, all
0: right. Uh, so we have some stuff coming up. Oh
1: my gosh! My gosh! My gosh! My gosh! Yeah. Um, April is a, a also like a crazy dance month. We thought February is crazy, and then we thought March was crazy, but no, April is also crazy. Um, First up, we have uh, a performance called "Scars Are Healing Wrong," which is in the second playing space at the Tim Center. It's a free performance um, from April 11th through 13th. Uh, this is a piece conceived by Julie Ferguson. Mm. It had a
0: it had sort of a rough uh, draft shown at Expanse last year, and this is a fuller version.
1: Yeah, now it's been fleshed out with a couple more dancers, and Ainsley's been brought on to do choreography, um, and so it also features Allison Dicey and Leanna McCooch. Mm-hmm. And again, that's April 11th to 13th uh, at the Tim Center. Center. Right.
0: Um, then we have um, uh, something going on uh, at the Science Building on the campus on uh, Monday, April 14th at 7. Something. 7th, uh, <laughs> involving uh, the Gen Mesh uh, dance conspiracy. So if you're in the area, uh, maybe check it out.
1: Yeah, maybe just, just toddle on down to the Science Building.
0: See what happens.
1: Just grab a coffee, April 14th, 7 yeah, o'clock. Just check it out. Just hang out there. Early evening coffee. It'll be great. Cool. Uh, after that um, is a piece that I'm kind of, uh, well, pretty excited to see. Uh, it's uh, Melanie Demers with Mayday Dance uh, and a piece called Goodbye. That's running April 18th to 19th, and that closes out the Brian Webb dance season. Right. Um, and that's at the Tim Center, I believe. And uh, if you've never heard of Mayday Dance or Melanie Demers before, the best way I can sort of describe her is to think of if Amanda Palmer uh became a dancer wow. and and uh yeah she has Melanie Demers has this kind of neat aggressive style and i've seen her do um, her makeup pretty much like Amanda Palmer I, just everything i i uh, looked up on her and researched uh Reminded like, me wait, of a
0: second, uh, yeah, like yeah, that Dresden Dolls sort of yeah. style,
1: um, and kind of yeah, like oh, I like neo Dolls. neo goth punk sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's Mayday Dance, April eighteenth to nineteenth, um, and then uh, we want to say also that we uh, thank you for nominating us for a Yegi Award. You uh, people who did
0: the old uh, the old Edmonton Twitter Awards. Uh, we are up for one in the arts and culture category.
1: Yes. Yes. In our first season, yee We
0: did it. So thank you, uh, anonymous nominee, nominator, I yeah. guess, would be the term.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, and so also, again, thanks to our, all of our new Twitter followers and thanks, Facebook guys. followers since then. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, that's been really cool to see all those numbers just bump up and we got uh we had some new people um listening to the podcast too that were tweeting at us so that was great. Um keep listening again and all the way coming in home stretch end of April Get ready for International Dance Day. Um, we're gonna try and maybe do something. At least talk maybe about the stuff, the, the movies that Mile Zero is showing.
0: <laughs> okay, they're doing a, they're doing a series of movies. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're showing a, a series called Reeling at Metro Cinema. So we're gonna maybe throw up some of those uh, links to to those things on our uh, social media, and you can kind of check some of that out. Great. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Well, goodbye. The I Don't Get It podcast is recorded under a table in a blanket fort in an apartment in Edmonton, Alberta.
1: It was recorded and edited by Andrew Paul. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. And you can find more about Ghibli at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sit here
0: you.